NBA trade deadline is here, and the market is being set. We discuss it next on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy NBA trade deadline day. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. On today's show, we're going to look at what the market has been set. We've got three significant trades, two trades that have been done but that are minor trades. It begins today, the market. Last year tells us a lot as well, so we'll look at that. A lot of teams surrounding the Utah Jazz are super interesting. Recency bias can get into trade deadline impact. We'll see what they all uh, are about to do or say about things as we uh, look at this one and then uh, whether there's going to be any big-name surprises that get dropped in this trade deadline. Plus, the Jazz are playing the Phoenix Suns tonight. So we'll dig into that. That'll be a lot of fun. Another one of our, this incredible stretch of games, Milwaukee, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Warriors, Lakers, Warriors. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm David Locke, radio voice to Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz. It's your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We uh, Thank you. It is free and available on all podcasting apps. If you're listening on uh, a podcast audio version, please give us a five-star review or subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, hit that bell button. That'll notify you. Subscribe and then follow the bell button. It's free to do all this, and it'll notify you whenever we go live. We will go live today probably with a trade deadline special. Um, I'm thinking 1230. Let me make everyone understand one thing about today's show. Um, so I, as a employee of the Utah jazz radio voice of the team cannot comment on a deal until it's official. Okay. Um, so I can do this really unique dance right now where I try to dance around Woj's reports that involve jazz players and do all this, or I can just wait like five hours when, uh, Things get official. And I'm going to. So in regards to a rumored deal that is out on the marketplace right now, I'm actually just going to wait five hours till the official release comes out and give you um, some analysis on it. Then, if you don't mind, Um, I know it's kind of screwy, but that's you know what? That's fine. Like, that's what the uh, as that's, you know, so that's just I cannot comment. on a rumored deal involving the Utah Jazz. So, um, though there is, I, I, I have, I am on X and I do know what's going on. And the Jazz injury report does have that Simone Fontecchio is not available, not with the team. So, okay. Um, all right. So with that said, let's just kind of talk about what could happen today because I think with the few deals that went down yesterday, we're beginning to see, and off what happened last year, we'll be able to see where there's a real like value proposition to players. So there were three significant trades that were made prior to yesterday. So Pascal Siakam, who's been all NBA, verging on a max player, was traded 
for three first-round picks. All three of those picks are likely to be bottom 20, probably bottom 15. So they're Indiana this year, the lesser of like three different teams this year, including Oklahoma City, and then Indiana in 2026. So unless Indiana suddenly with Tyrese Halliburton and Pascal Siakam become terrible, Toronto traded a free agent at the end of the year who they weren't going to sign, so they didn't have a lot of leverage. All NBA player, and they got three first-round picks, all of which I think will be 15 or higher, 15 to 30. Okay? And as I've talked about a lot, track record on 11-plus is 50-50 you get a rotation player. OG Ananobi got traded, and that was for two players. So, or RJ Barrett got traded for OG Ananobi. So, that was just a player trade. But two good, solid, one probably NBA starters for OG Ananobi. That was just two starters traded for one. OG Ananobi got traded for RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. It was a big haul. Had years on his contract. That's probably the most valuable asset that's moved. That's a, to me, RJ Barrett, who's questionable, but he's a former number three pick. And if you can get him to be efficient, he's a good player. If he doesn't, you'd have a rotation player. And Emmanuel Quickly might be a starter. It's probably a more secure acquisition than what you got for Pascal Siakam. And then Terry Rozier, who's an NBA star that scores 20 points a game, got a first-round pick. Then yesterday, two players moved. Xavier Tillman, who's really... It's interesting to me, like, he's loved in the Twitterverse. He was Memphis's third center last year when everybody was healthy. Now, Steven Adams out for the year, and Brandon Clark's out for the year, and Tillman gets is getting time and playing well and is a nice player. He's a little undersized. He's averaging six points, five rebounds a night on a not very good Memphis team. He can't really stretch it, plays, shoots 22%. He was the 35th pick of a draft. Like, I'm not as, like, I, he's kind of an in-vogue guy for everyone to like. Like, everyone's giving the Celtics huge praise. It's a fine deal. Um, but it's, it's, inter- it's, they got two seconds. Okay, so there's the market for Tillman, who is playing 20 minutes a night on a not great team, starting some games, can't shoot, is a big, pretty smart Insurance, two seconds. Seconds just go flying out the door. Like last year, there was something like 70 seconds traded or something crazy. The And and we'll go back to the impact of the Tillman deal here in a second. And the Morris deal, actually. So, and Monty Morris got traded to Minnesota, who's having a hard time finishing games right now. Where Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr., and a 20... 30 second round pick. So Troy Brown Jr. and Shake Milton can actually play a little. It's a team option, I believe, on Shake Milton's deal next year. So there might be some element that, and Troy Brown's a former first round pick, 15th pick of the draft. Think of him kind of like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's had some really good games for Minnesota. He's down to playing just 11 minutes a night. And is kind of a reclamation project. Um, He's, you know, he was out of Oregon. He was supposed to be kind of a point guard player that hasn't really panned out. He, he'd fallen out of Minnesota's rotation. So, to some extent, Monty Morris, who's good backup point guard with some ability to start if Mike Conley needs to rest, 
and very good assist to turnover, got a second. Maybe Shake Milton, or if you think either of those guys have value, but really just got a second. So what we're seeing here is if you're not a starter, bonafide starter, Terry Rozier, OG Anobi, Pascal Siakam, we're talking second-round picks. If you're not like a top impact starter, the market is saying second-round picks. Gary Payton Jr. last year was like four second-round picks. James Wiseman was a bunch of second-round picks. It was just second-round picks. That's what the market is saying right now for players. So I was listening to DJ and PK the other day, do the morning show, and they were like, if you could get a first-round pick for, I think they were talking about Kelly Olenek and Jordan Clarkson, like, do you do it? Like, the market does not seem to be yielding for that level of a player, that level of a pick. I think that's worth noting and probably relevant to some other discussions that the Monty Morris is kind of like a, could be your starter, really a bench guy, depending on your rotation starts, but not a bona fide starter in the NBA. He got a second and some players. Xavier Tillman. He's been starting. He's not a starter. It was a third center a year ago. He got two seconds. So, what you're seeing in the market as we talk about players right now is, and it will be, if DeJounte Murray doesn't get moved, then he didn't get two firsts. If they get offered two firsts, I think they're moving him. The fact is that Terry Rozier got one first. Pascal Siakam got, th- with a contract expiring, got three firsts, all bottom 15, probably 15 to 30 in the draft. Like the day and age of five picks for Rudy Gobert and four picks for Don and pick swaps for Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, we're not talking about players that good. Those days are not right now in the NBA. Now, if Cleveland suddenly offered Donovan Mitchell, suddenly the 11 teams that control all the picks, well, 10 of the 11, would suddenly empty the coffers and we'd see a five pick acquisition. But we don't have that player available. Kyle Kuzma in Washington is clearly not garnering two first-round picks right now. Chicago keeps talking about two first-round picks for Alex Caruso. Really? Really? Plays 20 minutes a night before he can't... Like, Billy Donovan sat at a press conference with us this year, basically said they can't play more than 20 minutes a night. I've said this before. I think Simone Fontecchio is as good a player as Alex Caruso, if not better. I think Simone Fontecchio is a really nice player on a really good team. I've said that. Multiple times. All right. So that's where the market is. Now, some of the moves that are happening right now are important and to look around the teams to understand the landscape of what happens today. And we'll do that next as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our good friends over at Intercap Lending. Steve Carter is just the best. I just cannot explain it in any other way. But his cut, first of all, when someone endorses Locked On, they've actually, everyone was talking about this last night, dinner with a bunch of guys. They've been with me for like eight years. There's a beauty that I have just have to be completely comfortable telling you to go to. Him. And there's nobody whose customer service is better than Steve Carter over at Intercap Lending. And that is the first thing I can promise you, is that you will be treated so well 
help you through the process, give you the most incredible customer service to a point where you like leave going, wow. And like he's done two different loans for me. And I think you guys could probably guess like I'm a pain in the ass. Like I don't have my paperwork ready. I'm behind on everything. I'm too bit like yeah, I'm too busy. That's not true. I have other things. I just want to do more. I want to ski. Uh, I want to do work on lockdown. I want to get ready for a jazz game. Those are the things I wanted to do. He helped me through the process both times. He's absolutely fabulous. So, if you're in the market for a loan right now, and the market's getting a little bit better and more advantageous, then email me at dlock09 at gmail.com so that I can take a minute and set you up with Steve Carter over at Intercap and make sure that you are uh, t- given the VIP treatment locked on and the locked on discount. So that's all over at Intercap Lending. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Nissan. And there are exciting, exciting things going on with Nissan, the Rogue, the Pathfinder, the Armada. All those are there. The 2024 Nissan Rogue is perfect for city drives, great escapes. Class exclusive Google built in is your always updating assistant to call on almost anything. Gone are the days of connecting your phone, Google Assistant, Google Maps, Google Play, built right into the 12 inch. HD touchscreen information system. The 2024 Rogue is the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. The 2024 Pathfinder has room for eight expansive cargo capacity, advanced ability, 4x4 capability with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 power. Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Armada on your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Interesting uh, events of games last night, by the way, as Clippers came back from their long road trip, got beat by the New Orleans Pelicans handily. Detroit went to Sacramento last night and beat the Kings. And as I've always told you, the first thing I check is, was everybody available? And everybody was available for the Kings. Fox, Sabonis, Herter, Murray, Barnes, Monk, Mitchell, Lyles. I don't think I'm missing anyone. Uh, Asur Thompson had played 27 minutes last night. Jaden Ivey had another big night, 37 points. They're not moving him. Alec Burks, who's been much talked about, 25 points, 7 rebounds. All right, let's touch on Alec Burks here for a second. By the way, that throws the Pelicans ahead of the Kings. So here's the other one that's important here. There's all these rumors and trades. The Knicks need this bench scoring. The Celtics need a big backup big. Oklahoma City needs a, a backup big. To, they only need one. They only need one. So Boston goes and gets Xavier Tillman. Any other rumored player that was to Boston for that player is now, that, that option is now gone. So if you thought you were trading your guy and getting assets from Boston, well, they just did their deal. They just got Xavier Toman. They're not going to get another big. If New York is trying to go get someone with the Evan Fournier contract or do something of that sort, once they get that done, they're done. And so part of the game here is right now it feels to me as though the buyers actually have more leverage than the sellers. Because there just aren't that many teams out there that are buying. And so 
when there's a multitude of players at who play the same position that are being rumored in trade deals, if Alec Burks goes, whoever grabs Alec Burks does not need another scorer off the bench. They just got their guy. So I think that is worth kind of keeping an eye on in this trade deadline is that when somebody makes a deal, Minnesota no longer is looking for a backup point guard. That's off the board. So if you thought you were trading your backup point guard, you think you're trading a big, you think you're trading an off-the-bench scorer, those players get moved, somebody else grabs one of the other versions of that, your player, that's not an option anymore. I know that's kind of intuitively obvious, but I think it gets forgotten. Are there bigger deals that are going to materialize in the next five hours? I looked at the standings today, and they're rolling on the bottom of our YouTube screen. Part of me thinks yes. I might be dead wrong on this, and sometimes it's easier to do. So saving money deals are easier to do now than they are in the offseason. Sometimes getting full value for players is better in the offseason. So in the Eastern Conference... Boston's run away with it. Milwaukee is probably fine because of the Joel Embiid injury from falling out of home court advantage in the first round. But, like, it's a legitimate. If Philadelphia has lost 7 of 10 in the Embiid injury and Tyrese was six lack, sick last night, there would have been real pressure there, I think, for Milwaukee to do something significant because they were on the verge of falling down to six. By the way, wor- worth noting that we did pick Milwaukee six in the Eastern Conference when the year started. From a lower end standpoint there, Brooklyn's just a really interesting team because they don't own their own picks. And obviously they're turning down Mikel Bridges offers right and left, so no one's getting involved there. Toronto's already traded their players. DeJounte Murray's the big name. I don't think DeMar DeRozan classifies as a big name. On the Eastern Conference, I don't see any big-name players suddenly materializing to be available. Detroit's not going to upend what they're already in such. Washington, Kuzma, maybe. But again, it's not. And Charlotte's interesting. P.J. Washington's been talked about. Uh, Miles Bridges' latest reports there with it. He scored 40 points in back-to-back games, and so now the new owner. That one's complicated, right? The new, there's a new owner involved who's learning the ropes from Mitch Kupchak, who he'll likely re- probably replace. New owners usually replace GMs um, coming up. On the West, this so the East seems very mundane to me. The West, we have a three-team tie for the number one seed right now with the Clippers a half game out. I, I cannot believe that Oklahoma City, Minnesota, Denver, and the Clippers are going to keep their powder dry. I just, I can't believe, like, you're a half game difference between four teams for the number one seed in the conference. We've never seen anything like this. Minnesota's already done a deal, getting Monty Morris. But doesn't Denver have to add a little something? Doesn't Oklahoma City have to get a little backup to Chet Holmgren? Doesn't don't the I don't know what else the Clippers have left to do, but can they solidify something? They're always very active. And then what's interesting is Phoenix is looming. Phoenix has won seven of ten. They're beginning to play a lot better. We'll dig into them here in a second. So. 
those teams don't have a lot of flexibility, but I do feel like there's a chance here that something materializes in the next five hours because if you could actually pull something off, it matters. And then if you go to the next tier of teams, New Orleans keeps having moments like last night where they make you believe they're really, really good, and that's why their name is suddenly percolating around DeJounte Murray. Because they may believe that they're a piece or two away from suddenly making a big, big run. Other than them, I feel like there's, then there's this, the desperate group. Sacramento is suddenly 29 and 21. And as of this morning in the play-in, on a loss to Detroit with a bunch of these stinkers recently. A bunch of games recently that make you suddenly say, whoa, what is going on there? Like, I keep thinking they're on the edge of absolute disaster, and then they win a big game. Dallas is 28 and 23, having lost six of 10. Lively's injury means their defense has gone up. Kyrie's been, hasn't played more than 10 games in a row in four years. But I feel like Dallas has to do something. They can't just be hovering in the eighth spot. The Lakers are in the ninth spot. The Warriors are in the 11th. It feels like they have to do something. Utah and Houston don't have that pressure. Utah's in this unique position where they're both buyers and sellers, I think, at the same time. So I do think that somehow between now and one o'clock mountain, and we'll probably do a live show, as I mentioned, there is something's going to pop of that we're like, oh, wow, like that someone's going to move to these teams in an attempt to try to just move the meter a little bit. They got to move the meter. Now, which of those teams actually have picks, right? And if and, and the tricky one here that's happened in this league is it because teams have traded so many picks and there's league restrictions on trading back-to-back picks that there actually aren't that many eligible picks to be traded. And that's made this even a little bit more difficult. I mean, Portland is still sitting on Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Grant, some really interesting players. Maybe Anthony Simons is the stunner here. And suddenly Portland can move someone's Jeremy Grant moves a meter in the Western Conference. Malcolm Brogdon might move a meter in the Western Conference. Spurs are sitting on Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson. Maybe some of those move a meter. Be interesting to see. All right, Jazz Phoenix Suns coming up tonight. Break that one down. Some interesting look. We'll, we'll have some interesting kind of insight into where the Suns are right now. I think you'll like this as we continue here. Today on Locked on Jazz. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks does makes daily fantasy sports fun. It is the leader in the daily fantasy sports world, number one fantasy sports app, over 3 million members. Easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more or less, two or six players. And watch the winnings come in. This is kind of fun. They have demons and goblins now. They are the newest and most exciting way to play prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. Demon time on prize picks. So go check it out. The uh, prize picks also has injury insurance for you. Prize picks is really easy to play. You can pick, make your pick, submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick, 
withdrawals, easy gameplay, enormous selections. That's what makes PrizePix the number one daily fantasy app today. So go check it out. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA. If you use the code LockedOnNBA, you get your first deposit match up to $100. That's LockedOnNBA is your promo code. First deposit match up to $100. PrizePix.com slash LockedOnNBA. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Prize picks. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Jazz and the Suns. Tonight, that game's available for you on Sirius XM. The hometown broadcast always available on Sirius XM. Also on the Utah Jazz app there for you, as well as on KSL Sports. We'll be tipping off at 7. All right, let's play with the Suns here for a second. They've kind of begun to click in. So they're 7-3 and three in their last 10. So this is a big task for the Jazz. The Suns come into the game offensively for the season, ninth in the league. That feels really low. Like, I know that sounds crazy. But, and 16th defensively. Frank Vogel's always been known as this, like, great defensive coach, not a very good offensive coach. Over the last 10 games, they're now the third-ranked offensive team in the league. Okay. And the eighth-ranked defensive team in the league. Oh, so they're coming. After all these tough stretches and the fifth-best team overall. So all of a sudden, you look at Phoenix and you're like, oh, that's, that's what the whole model was. They're supposed to be one of the top elite offensive teams in the league. I picked them to win the West with the number one offense. And that Frank Vogel, in his background, will get you a good enough defense because he's one of the great defensive coaches the game has seen. He's not His track record offensively is not nearly as good. Who have they beat recently? Milwaukee, Washington, Brooklyn, Miami, Dallas, Chicago, Indiana. Eh, with losses at Indiana, Orlando, and at Atlanta. So they had a schedule... That got super advantageous to them in a league that doesn't have a lot of easy nights. They frankly had a little bit of a run of easy nights. Now they did go to LA, beat the Lakers, beat Portland, beat Sacramento at home by two, and beat the Pels, who was shown they could beat anyone. Then LinkedIn, Indiana, Chicago, Dallas before those two losses, one of which they had a terrible offensive night, and then beat in Miami, they won, in Brooklyn, they won. Those are so they're beating average teams and Lillard did not play, nor did Brooke Lopez, nor did Chris Middleton the other day. So they're showing the signs, but the deeper dive is like, eh, that leaves me yearning for a little bit more. What's interesting is how is it all working? And the concept of how they're built is that with Durant, Booker, and Beal, one, they'll be dominant when all three of them are on the floor. But that through the course of 48 minutes, they will always have one, if not two, dominating scorers on the floor. Now, this is a little hard to do with them right now because the lineup of Beal, Durant, and Booker has played their most possessions, 516, their primary lineup with them. And it's plus 14. So their design starting lineup, of Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Grayson Allen, Kevin Durant, Yusuf Nurkic is plus 14. That's 88th percentile offensively with a 130 offensive rating. 130. 
30. So that seems to be working. And that's with Nurkic. And that's with that's with the guys, you know, that they want to have out on the floor, which is Nurkic and Grayson Allen with them. Let's play a little bit here for a second. When you do have Brad, no matter who else is on the floor, when they've had Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker on the floor together this year. Those three, no matter what, they're on the floor together. They're plus 16.5 with an offensive rating of 131 in the 100th percentile with an effective field goal percentage of 63. That's working. That's what they wanted. That is a dominant, dominant offensive team. When they have Booker and Durant on the floor and no Beal, okay? This is Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, no Beal. They've done that a lot. They're just plus 5.8. The offense is really good. It's a 123 in the 90th percentile. The defense is a 117. That's surprising. That That's, if I'm them and I'm looking at the trade deadline, I'm also wondering if I can do something to solve that a little bit. If I have Devin Booker on the floor and do not have Kevin Durant on the floor, but I do have Bradley Beal. So I have Beal and Booker, two dominating guards. This has not happened a great deal. And no Kevin Durant. This is not ideal. I probably would let Booker just play by himself at this point. They're just plus .9. Okay, so that's not great. In fact, I would let Devin Booker, if I'm building this roster and doing your rotations, I would let Devin Booker just play without Kevin Durant and without Bradley Beal, let him be the man and play by himself. And when they've done that and it's just Devin Booker, they're plus 11 for 100 possessions. And the offense with Booker by himself is in the 98th percentile and a 126. Booker, I know this probably is controversial. I actually think Booker's the best of these guys. I think he's better than Durant at this point. If Durant's on the floor without Beal or without Booker, which is what they've had to do a lot because Beal's been out a lot, and you're just having Durant run the show, but you don't have that ball facilitator, they're just plus 4.5. So when it's just Booker, it's plus 11, and the offense is in the 98th percentile. When it's just Durant, it's plus 4.5 with the offense in the 70th percentile. I find that really interesting, that they're better in that circumstance. Now, if you get Durant to be out there with Bradley Beal, so Devin Booker's off the off the floor, and now you get to begin to see them piece this together. Okay, all three are together at the beginning, and they're plus 16.5, and their offense is a 131. And then they can go with just Booker by himself for plus 11. So then I can go with... Durant and Beal, ideally, as my combo for the other two the rest of the time. And that, for some reason, has been an unmitigated disaster. And this is the missing piece for this team. I don't have any idea why, though it might be due to injuries. When Beal plays with Grayson Allen... And Kevin Durant and Yusuf Nurkic and 
whomever else, they've actually been relatively okay. Josh Okogie, Beta Jops, Dup. But overall, when Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal have been on the floor without Devin Booker, they're minus 14. Minus 14. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's actually what gets super interesting is you wouldn't think you'd want to have Grayson Allen and Bradley Beal on the floor together, but it feels like Grayson Allen actually is wildly important in this lineup game. So keep an eye on it. This is kind of the next step for Phoenix and is super interesting to watch how they play these rotations, what their game flow is going to be, how they play this. Obviously, they start with them all. And then they go, what they generally do is they close the first quarter with Booker without, with four bench guys and Booker. And then they have been opening the second quarter with Durant and Beal together, no Booker, but that's where the lineup's been just a mess. Then Beal and Durant sit down for a little while, Booker plays by himself again. And then they close the final about four minutes of the first half, or three minutes of the first half together. So they'll play the first kind of eight, nine minutes together. And the final three, they're playing about 24 minutes a game together, 12 in each half. And again, Durant plays that first kind of nine minutes. Beal plays most of that, maybe a little shorter. Beal might play six or seven. Durant plays. So so you have like six minutes of all three of them, three minutes of Durant and Booker. Three minutes of Booker by himself. Then you come back out for about six minutes of maybe five minutes of Durant and Beal by themselves. Then you get like three minutes of Booker by himself, and then you get all three of them again. It's pretty loaded. They're shorts and pieces, though. They're playing basically eight guys right now. Drew Eubanks, Bull Bull, and Eric Gordon are the other three. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. I'll come to you live for a trade deadline uh, episode coming up here uh, today as well. Thanks very much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz. Have a wonderful day. Now we send you to the first ever 24-7. I've been watching it all morning. Totally love it. 24-7 sports stream on YouTube, Locked on Sports Today. It's also available for you on Amazon Fire TV.